I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Okay, so today I wanted to revisit character development and moral compass work. The last few episodes, I talked about creating a safe space for you to feel like you're able to start trusting yourself and connecting with the world around you. So now it's time to talk a little bit more about character development and about why I think having a solid moral compass is just so integral in the transformation that has to occur in terms of identity development in order to grow and overcome a lot of the dysfunctional aspects of having borderline personality disorder. Developing your character means figuring out who you are and what you stand for, really. When I was developing my character, and even now as I grow into an older, wiser version of myself, I ask myself if I'm about to do something, two things. Number one, is this who I am? And number two, is this how I want to represent myself? I want to be someone who is honorable and of good moral character. And what that means to me is that I want to make sure that the way that I act, the way that I behave, what I say to people, how I come across to other people, I want to make sure that that represents who I am, what I believe. If I start to act like someone else or mirror the behaviors of someone because I want them to like me, or if I act out of emotion or insecurity, then I'm not representing myself in a way that's true to my character. And when I do those things, because it happens, sometimes people act out of character. I've become someone who is much more calm than I was many years ago, but let's say I do something impulsive because it happens. I'm acting out of character. So I have to ask myself what I want to do with that. Is that who I am? And is that how I want to represent myself to the people around me? If this is hard for you to wrap your mind around, that's okay. Because for all of the treatment that I had, all of the therapy, residential treatment centers, eating disorder treatment centers, I never learned about character development. I went to Catholic school all through elementary school and high school and university and graduate school. Now, I am sure that during those years they talked about character development because I did have classes about the Bible, religion, so I'd have to imagine somewhere along the line they talked about character development. What I do know is that it's not something that I really understood, absorbed, or could have even spoken about up until I started doing my own recovery work. So if you feel like it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around, I think that's pretty normal. I haven't met many people who are kind of actively thinking about character development, you know, at least in the field or really teaching this to people. So 
This is something that we really need more of because developing a character, like figuring out who you are and what you represent brings so much of that control that we so desperately seek to, to us. We can internalize that kind of control. If I know that I'm someone with integrity, then I want to do the right thing the right way, even when no one is watching all the time. And so if I act in a way that doesn't align with being someone of integrity, then I am not acting in accordance with who I am. I am misrepresenting myself and my character. And so what I have to do then is go ahead and apologize if I've made a mistake, go back and do it over again and do the do it the right way, or maybe I have to reevaluate what my roadblocks are to having integrity in a given situation. And so that's really how I've learned to develop my character. Without having character development as part of recovery, it's very difficult to figure out how to have an identity because an identity comes from having beliefs and having, you know, the kind of belief that even if no one agrees with you, that you can hold steadfast in your belief because you're so confident in who you are and you know that you have good intentions, that you're not going to be swayed by other people or circumstance. That's a strong and intense identity development. And that's really what I'm going for. So with all that being said, today's value that I want to focus on is integrity. Integrity, as I said before, is doing the right thing the right way. And even when no one's watching, if you're a person of integrity, you don't change your belief system because the person that you want to like you is going to maybe not like you because you express yourself. If you're a person of integrity, you live the same life all of the time. You're just the same person. You're consistent. You're dependable. You're loyal. You're trustworthy because people know that you are true to who you are. And that's just something that people can trust. I believe that one of the biggest reasons people with borderline personality disorder or trauma, CPTSD, one of the biggest reasons they are so fearful and anxious is because there's, we just have such a difficult time trusting ourselves. And you can't trust yourself if you don't know who you are and what you're, you know, you want your character to be. I really think that's one of the biggest issues is just, you know, not knowing who we are. I mean, if you think about it, when I talk about moral compass work, how many of you are sitting thinking, hmm, I don't really know what I stand for. I'm betting a lot of you. So if you don't know what you stand for, how can you trust who you are? Because you don't know who you are. And so we kind of look for other people to tell us who we are. And it just doesn't work that way. I know a lot of the times people will get into a relationship with someone and when they get into the relationship in the beginning, it's like incredibly passionate and wonderful. You know, the dating phase, that honeymoon phase. And then over time, that kind of fades off and plateaus, right? 
Well, at the plateau, something has to happen. And what happens is that the two people dating each other, they tend to attach. And my hope is that they're attaching in a secure way. But oftentimes, individuals who don't have an identity, don't you know, know who they are, they start to show their true colors around that time. Because there's only so long they could keep up the mirroring. And unfortunately, during that time, that plateau, when you know each individual person is trying to get to know each other, that's the time where this becomes just such a huge problem. Because without having any kind of idea of who you are, you end up having a difficult time in these relationships because you, don't, you haven't developed your character. You haven't figured really out what you stand for. So, you know, an example of this, let's say like a more clear example of this is I had someone one time who doesn't, they don't fix their bed. They don't make their bed. They don't, you know, engage in personal hygiene. They don't clean until they're dating someone. And when they're dating someone, then they start like making sure they make the bed before they come over. So I said, so wouldn't you want to make the bed every time you woke up so that you can start having that as a habit because what if you guys live together and the individual kind of laughed and was like no why do I have to do that no one's coming over and even if you know we did live together eventually you know they realize I'm going to stop making the bed and I thought about that and I thought gosh I wonder how many people think that how many of you thought when you were dating before you found your person or even think now that you, know, you can change up who you are to try to, you know, be more interesting for the person you're in relationship with. And like, that's, that's going to do it. You know, if you do it in this kind of disingenuine way, you know, when you go home, you're a different person, but you like pretend to be someone else if they're coming over. If you're doing that, you know, I urge you to think about the consequences of that action long term. Or if you're in a relationship with someone and you feel this plateau with your partner, is that, you know, because you really aren't offering to the relationship a b- vulnerable part of you? You're more giving that other person what they want? So if you're giving that other person what they want, doesn't that come at a cost? Isn't that at the expense of your own autonomy, freedom, and individuality? Just things to think about. So now I want to give you some more examples of what it means to have integrity and ways that you can continue to develop your own integrity. I think about integrity when it comes to cleaning. Um, I would practice cleaning the bathroom and I'm and, and doing it in a mindful way, not a rushed way, you know, because at one point I remember Jay saying like, you never clean behind the faucet. Okay. And I got upset and frustrated at that, but it was true. So I would, you know, practice integrity, slowing down and cleaning the the right way. Just cleaning every nook and cranny of whatever it was. If it was the bathroom even cleaning like the corners, the walls, the ceilings, scrubbing the floor to make sure that I was practicing this idea of doing the right thing the right way. Not kind of, you know, shoving everything in a closet. When it comes to work, same thing. 
do the right thing the right way. We have systems put in place and practices and boundaries that need to be followed in order to maintain a business. Do the right thing the right way. How about this podcast? This, you know, every week, do the right thing the right way. I'm going to release the podcast. And I'm going to do it in such a way that offers what I believe to be content that would be valuable to you guys. That takes integrity and self-discipline. How about, you know, um, oh gosh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, working out. Working out is another one with integrity. You know, I oftentimes if I do something, let's say I do, I'm doing, we're doing push-ups, right? And I do 10 reps, but my 10th rep is pretty terrible. You know, I kind of core caves in and I end up like doing some version of a push-up that I maybe did when I was a lot weaker. I could stand up, be done with my workout. No one would really notice. It is what it is. I don't do that. I'll do the last rep because I want to make sure that everything that I do is done the right way to the best of my ability. That way, I know that I can trust myself. See, What you have to understand is that the strength of what we believe is measured by how much we're willing to suffer for those beliefs. So I really believe that I'm a good person and I believe that I have integrity. And having this history of borderline personality disorder and dysfunction, tumultuous behavior, you know, it it makes it very difficult for me to have integrity consistently. It gets easier, I have to say, you know, it's almost second nature now with many things, but with some things I have to practice and relearn and I have to really struggle. I had a really great question from a listener about eating disorders and I wanted to answer it from my perspective on the podcast. The question was, whether or not the individual should go to a residential treatment facility or an inpatient treatment facility for an eating disorder if they also have borderline personality disorder, which program they should go to first, something for BPD specifically or for the eating disorder specifically. So I just want you all to remember that my answers are my opinions, especially on the podcast, because I can't provide clinical support through the podcast. So this is my opinion, and my opinion is that it depends on whether or not you're medically fragile. So if you're medically fragile, meaning if you're so underweight that you're sick and your organs are failing and shutting down, or if you're binging and purging to the point where you're destroying your body, depending on your method of purge, or if you're, um, you know, suicidal or, you know, homicidal, and you have real intent and pain, and that's, you know, the direction you're going to go in, then you need to be in a hospital. Because the residential treatment center, for example, if your organs are failing because you're not eating, they will stabilize you. And then you can get back on your feet, get back into the, you know, like eating, the habits of eating, have your body readjust and do that in that controlled, safe environment. And if you are feeling suicidal and you have a means and a plan to commit suicide, then definitely 100% call the police, go to the emergency room, go into the hospital. The hospital, they can stabilize you with some medications, even if it's just temporary, so that you can then 
um, or all medication rather, so that you can then, you know, continue on your journey, get out of the hospital, and then start on your path working with your individual provider. All of that being said, if you are stable and you're just trying to figure out what to chip away at first, do the borderline personality disorder treatment all day, every day. And I say that because being in an eating disorder treatment facility alone without addressing the borderline personality disorder or having that be the secondary diagnosis to the primary diagnosis of having an eating disorder, you know, it's can oftentimes backfire. <clears throat> so I believe that ha- eating disorders are a form of control and it's part of having this way of you know, subduing anxiety and then controlling whether or not you're a person of good character through the food or, you know, controlling the pain and the shame and the guilt that you're feeling through the food, you know, which is something that, you know, it's, it's kind of fades away or, you know, over time through this identity development and transformation. And not only that, but, excuse me, we tend to mirror other people, right? So if I had never been in all of those eating disorder treatment facilities, I would have, so if I hadn't have gone once, I would have never gone back, if that makes sense. I had mirrored the behaviors of the people. So I knew how to get back into the hospital pretty well. I had that kind of down pat. And, you know, that's something that I think if my borderline personality disorder had been treated in a way that was effective and impactful back then, then I, then perhaps the disordered eating, you know, or eating disorder treatment would have been effective. But, you know, it just wasn't because I spent more time, you know, conniving and figuring out how to be the sickest, how to play the game, get the attention, all those things, you know, which is something that's a very, um, you know, borderline thing to do, right? Just say it. So, I think if you're struggling with that decision and borderline personality disorder is the is you know at the forefront of your issues and you're listening to this podcast, get help for your BPD. If you're medically unstable, go into the facility and then get help with your borderline personality disorder. And remember that if you wake up in the morning and you get on the scale and that number determines your entire day, that's dysregulation. So you have to re-regulate during those moments. So if you make the choice to get up and allow the scale, that number, to determine whether or not you're a good person or you're a bad person, to determine your day, then immediately after, in order to recover, to walk that path, you must re-regulate, you must change your physical state so that you can bring your emotional itch down and so that you can refocus on the things that are important in recovery. If you weigh yourself five times a day, if you weigh yourself every hour, every single time you see that number and it's a number that you don't like, you have to re-regulate after. So as I talk, I realize I have to do an episode series about eating disorders. So send in all of your questions and I'll do that. And I'll see you all next week for on another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Okay, thanks for listening. That was From Borderline to Beautiful, 
a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC. Online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.